she said that we have this uh, position open. Do you want to try? I said, of course. <laughs> Welcome to Discovering Design, a podcast featuring a different guest each episode recounting their initial career, what sparked their interest in the creative arts, and how they pivoted to a full-time role in user experience design. Our guest for this episode is Olga Buldigo, a former sound editor and current UX researcher at Surfshark, where they are helping humanize digital security to make it more accessible for all. We'll learn about growing up in Vilnius what life is like as a sound operator for a news radio station in Lithuania, and how documentary filmmaking could be the gateway to user research. And with that, I'd like to introduce Olga Buligo. I grew up, um, I was born in um, Vilnius, Lithuania. They call themselves uh, a <laughs> G-spot of Europe <laughs> because nobody knows where it is. It's a nice uh, town. Uh, it's, I've, if I'm not uh, mistaken, it's uh, 600,000 people that live there. So it's uh, not big, not small, it's a capital city. But uh, for six years of my life, it was still uh, a part of Soviet Union. In 91, Lithuania gained independence. I think 90s was a really tough time for my parents, but I don't remember that much uh, how life was back then, how difficult it was. I guess it was quite difficult because my grandparents had to leave Lithuania to Russia because they were not feeling at home anymore. So I'm a, from a Russian descent. My mom is... Uh, uh, is Russian and my dad is uh, half Ukrainian and half Belarusian. Uh, my mom is a piano teacher and my dad uh, works in IT. He's a system administrator for complex stuff like electricity supply in town. Uh, so my mom wanted to really, really wanted me to learn uh, to play piano. So I started playing the piano when I was five. I don't know, like I didn't really have any other hobbies. And I was actually very much drawn to both the technology and music uh, when I was growing up mm, because my dad, because my dad worked uh, in such environment, uh, we, we got computer pretty early, early on, uh, had internet at home, which would connect through <laughs> so I was uh, learning uh, classical piano for a while, and then I got really bored. Uh, and uh, my mom convinced me to continue with learning jazz piano. But I knew also that uh, I'm not such a great musician, and I hate stage, but I really like jazz. So I thought, okay, uh, maybe I can be something, you know, in connection with that uh, area. Uh, after high school, I really didn't know where to go to the university. And in my country, you really have to, 
it's almost like a rule. The moment you finish high school, you need to go somewhere. Uh, it was 2004. I just bought a magazine, which was a Lithuanian uh, list of universities. And I bought that magazine and I opened it and on a random page. And the first thing I saw was sound design. Because I wanted to do something with music, but I just, just didn't know what. <laughs> and then I read this uh, magazine from A to Z and I thought, okay, I still think that sound design sounds something that I really want to try. <laughs> I actually had my first job uh, after half a year when I start, started uh, my studies because I was helping as an assistant uh, my professor on a master class uh, we were recording musicians so all in all i had um, eight years of studies <laughs> for two and a half years i attended lithuanian academy of music and theater then i was for half a year on erasmus program in london uh, london thames valley university it was and now it has some other name and then i decided that uh, i want to work with cinema and uh, I don't know, this idea came to my mind, but I thought I really want to do that in Russia. The All-Russian State University of Cinematography. Uh, it's the oldest uh, school, uh, film school in Russia. Uh, it was quite famous at the time. Uh, it was uh, founded in 1919. Uh, after two years, I had to transfer to St. Petersburg to finish it because the studies became very expensive in Moscow first gig was quite difficult I think the the first gig after the university because all the time when I was studying I had something in the background I I always worked um, but after university I decided that I want to go back to Lithuania it was 2012 uh, when I moved back uh, to Lithuania and then it was very hard to find a job for half a year I was searching for a job and the first one I found was uh, being a sound operator at the news radio. I thought like, okay, there will be challenges, but I'm going to overcome them. And funnily enough, uh, the person <laughs> who worked there was my student. So my student had to teach me how to operate in the news radio. <laughs> I was teaching um, in the college uh, sound design because I had a master degree and I could teach. Uh, this job uh, included waking up very early in the morning because the first program had to start at six. It was probably mostly money that I did it for. <laughs> it was really something stable. Uh, and my passion projects were different things. I was still working all the time on um, filming, filming documentaries uh, and uh, feature movies uh, and series. I really like the series that we made for um, it, the, the, the company is called Star Media. And this is a historical series uh, on some parts of Russian history, like um, Romanov's family uh, and the christening of Russia. I think it's called Birth of a Nation. Uh, why I like, the, I like it is probably because I'm also a fan of uh, the Last Kingdom and Vikings. And this was exactly the same period. <laughs> in Russian history that is described there. Passion projects, I would say that 
uh, is the most incredible thing is when you put everything together and it actually works and the sound creates something that was not there before. Uh, usually you have to be very lucky to get projects that you like. To get on the really good ones, you need to dedicate your entire time on that. And you have to be a little bit crazy to do this job anyway, because uh, it's long hours. It's, uh, it's a lot of passion. So, <laughs> and sometimes very little money. I didn't have a clear path what I want to do. I would probably have to relocate uh, and work really hard for a long time uh, to get there. And I was very comfortable in my small Vilnius. <laughs> it came gradually, this moment of realizing that I cannot do this anymore. Because after, uh, after the radio, uh, second job for five years, I was working at the TV, which also had amazing colleagues. But the job itself was very routine. Uh, so I thought that, yeah, I could change my career, but I just didn't know what to, into what. <laughs> I just uh, met uh, now my husband, who is a UX designer. And he introduced me gradually to his uh, work. At the time um, when we moved in together and the pandemic started, all the projects that I could have had, they got frozen. Nobody was filming anymore. So he said, okay, why don't you, you know, take a course on uh, UX design? And then I, when I've had this first, I think it was Udemy courses, uh, and I went through that and I was like, I just don't understand. It all sounds like common sense and nothing more. Is that a profession? So then he said, okay, maybe you should do some project to see how this, uh, how the processes go, really. What do you really have to do? And then I started to, to do some research because you start UX design with research. I was interviewing. <laughs> members of his family actually and he saw that and he was like I think you should maybe look more into research because I think that you are good at interviewing people uh, and I think it actually comes a lot from my previous job we were interviewing a lot of people so I saw it all the time I was just not doing it myself and the listening skills as well because as a sound designer I was not the one who was asking questions I was listening all the time. I was recording that. Um, yeah. So I think I brought that. <laughs> there are very famous uh, interviewers in Russia and uh, you can find all of their interviews on YouTube because this is a real Russian TV is now on YouTube. <laughs> One of them is Yuri Dud. Yeah, he, he finds an angle uh, on a person and he really tries to to get into the depth of uh, why he is who he is now. I don't know how much time it's going to take me to actually go into this field. And uh, I had uh, I had somewhere uh, all the time in the back of my mind that I will never become something like my husband, you know. He, he is, I don't know, he has more than 20 years of career. So when am I going to get to that level to, or even like be able to apply to some job? And I thought, okay, I need some structure. So I was uh, going through the Interaction Design Foundation courses. 
uh, and I did everything on UX research they have. It was a happy moment when I entered the program called Women Go Tech for females who want to switch into tech. Mostly there were, there were girls that were previously working in a very, you know, close sector, let's say, I don't know, banking or marketing, switching to UX. This was the moment when I got uh, my mentor. Her name is uh, Emilia, Emilia Volontejute. Uh, she's Lithuanian and she's actually working at the company where I work now. She was very reassuring because, you know, one thing is you hear it from your husband that you can do it. Uh, go on, you will succeed. Yeah, you love me, so you you support me, but it's not it's not really probably not probably not true. <laughs> she said that we have this uh, position open. Do you want to try? I said, of course, <laughs> because <laughs> she um, she said, okay, we're searching for a UX researcher, but that happened. Uh, oh probably a year and a half after that program started. So she was not officially my mentor anymore. She, she was not the hiring manager herself, of course, but uh, she could just, um, you know, introduce me, give me a little bit of green light for somebody who didn't have any previous experience. I think that if COVID uh, wouldn't happen, uh, that switch would still happen to me, but maybe not that quickly. I never really told anyone, you know, I didn't announce like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm doing that. My parents, I think they, they were very skeptical, uh, because of course we paid, we, the entire family paid for my education a lot. They were really, uh, not disencouraging, but I don't think they had any belief. <laughs> I had, of course, maybe like any person some sort of assumption about uh, what the outcome of the research will be. And then when you actually do it, you prove that you're wrong or you find out things that you never thought that you would find out. I thought, okay, it should work at some point. Uh, it just matters how much time it will take. The thing is that if you don't do anything, it won't happen. O along the way, you still discover things like, okay, maybe I need a resume, maybe I need a portfolio, maybe I need to do a real studies, maybe I do something for some company. So then maybe I should find a company that needs a research uh, for free, you know. Yeah, so I'm now working in uh, cybersecurity. I work in a VPN company and there are two actually in, in Lithuania, um, number one and number three <laughs> of the VPNs of the world. Right now I'm enjoying the, the now moment and I'm learning so much every day that it's very hard for me to predict where I will be even, you know, in a half a year. There are ways to change your path. There are ways to do something else. If you don't feel like continuing and it's fine and you can do it and it's never too late. Reach out to people more often and get yourself a mentor. Maybe do a project sooner. If I would go back in time, I would uh, rather try to get this practical experience as soon as possible.
Logo for sharing their journey. Thank all of you for listening. Until next time.